the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to join you this week to break down the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. This week, I'm joined by Spencer Aguiar. You can find him at Tiaf Sports. Spencer, great to be with you this week. Roberto, it's always a pleasure to do this with you, man. This is the only two-man team event on the PGA Tour, the QBA shootout, not an official PGA Tour event, so we're not going to acknowledge that this week in our two-man team prior results. But this week, we've got a rare occurrence in the PGA Tour where the favorite to win outright, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley, is around plus 300 in the market, significantly shorter than we've seen anyone to win a tournament this year, this calendar year on the PGA Tour, although next week in Mexico at the Mexico Open at Viranta, I assume John Rahm is going to be very short. I've already seen him around 300, plus 300 as well. So with the heavy favorites in the field this week, a lot of people are betting them, but before we get into our outright bets, what is your best bet for the week? So my best bet for this tournament will be Robbie Shelton and Lee Hodges, 33rd or better. That is on bet 365. That's a minus 120 wager. And I'm going with this for a couple of reasons. I think when you look at their profile, it yields this super clean return that at least my model thinks should be about minus 180 to make the cut. We might get caught in a situation where they make the cut and finish outside that position, but the fact that Bet365 pays these wagers out in full does give us a decent edge to consider this wager. I have the two of them ranked as the seventh team in weighted T to green and then 12th for weighted proximity. So I think for this tournament, like you kind of said at best, Roberto, we're looking at a board here where I think having two quality golfers or at least two players that fit really well together is going to go a long way. The Xander Cantlay team, that's about as strong as you can get for a pairing. I, I would say that, I mean, I think if you looked at any matchup, and we've seen this in Ryder Cups and President's Cup, you throw those two together, they kind of have the same style. So it works in alternate shot. It works in four ball. It's kind of like the perfect mix for them with it. But it's a really difficult tournament for that reason. And we can get into all the metrics of why it's a problem on the back end of the equation here. But it's going to be one of those events where I just try to sprinkle in some wagers, um, try to find any value that I can, but it, it's one of those boards that doesn't make it the easiest to do that. So you mentioned part of the format for this week. So Thursday and Saturday are going to be four ball. Each partner in the group plays his own ball through the hole. And if the best ball is the score that the team takes. So it's better known as best ball, but also known as four ball and then on friday and sunday they will play foursomes which is better known as alternate shot so a little bit more of strategy involved there because there are four part threes on this course three and all of them are over 200 yards so three of the six toughest holes historically there and then also if you want to figure out the par fives we've got a guy who's longer than the other one there is some game theory involved to planning out who tees off on which holes uh, but before we get into more picks this week. Spencer, would you like to break down the course here at TPC Louisiana? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of said it best with this format, like more so than anything, that's going to be the most important thing to look at because 
When you look at the alternate shot format of this, it's going to be one of those situations where teams are going to have to try to find the, the, I guess the preferred route would be the best way to say it of how they want to do it. And you said like, there's really long par threes. There's golfers that are going to be in better positions, whether that be with the iron in hand or off the tee. So I think that's one of the ways that you can really find an advantage. The other thing that I looked at when I ran a model and uh, I think it's important to say just in general. So when I put this together, I took both players and I turned them into as if they were one golfer. There are some negative things to be said about that because I don't know if that's like the preferred way. But when you have a wonky distribution set of data to begin with, um, you know, a percentage went into that. And then I also looked to where if one person started the hole, how does the next person perform on the next shot? How does the next person perform on that next shot? So I think that that's going to be the key here. Um, you know, obviously we have 82 man teams, the top 33 in ties are going to be the ones that make the weekend. That's kind of what I was going into it about with the Shelton play there. Cause it doesn't mean just because they make the cut that that bet's going to win. But I, I think it at least leaves us in a good position to where whatever we think the ties are there. Uh, the fact that bet 365 pays everything out in full is at least a positive sen- uh, mm. situation on that finishing position market. Um, but as far as the course goes, you know, I think you're going to have a lot of long iron proximities here. Uh, we're looking at nearly 30%. It's just marginally below 30% of the second shots come from over 200 yards. That's a really big percentage. You kind of see a decrease everywhere. And then that massive increase there, I think it's a ball strikers course at the end of the day, but it's kind of hard to look at this in your prototypical sense, just because like when you can play your bet, your own ball on Thursday and Saturday, Like to me, that screams more birdie or better percentage and guys that are going to be able to score. Like some of those downside qualities are actually not as big of a negative. You have a partner that can kind of bail you out there. So I'm trying to find two golfers that can make birdies on the Thursday and Saturday rounds and then golfers on Friday and Sunday that can put that merger together of, you know, maybe like I think a really good example of that. And this kind of takes us into an outright card here in a second. I think when you look at the Kurt Kitayama team and uh, Taylor Montgomery, you have one end with Montgomery, who's going to be probably the premier putter or one of the premier putters in this event. Like him and Denny McCarthy are the two golfers for me that are the one and two golfers in putting. And then when you look at the long iron proximity, like if you can give me that second end of the equation where those guys can do that, uh, you know, that's going to go a long way. And then on the flip side of it, I also seem to like this Sung Jay Keith Mitchell pairing of mm-hmm. what they can provide. And that's kind of just two quality ball strikers, two guys that are great off the tee. And let's see if they have the same skill set where they can find an advantage that way. So uh, it's a lot of strategy, as you can tell with this answer. Like there's not a prototypical way to try to play this, whether that be from the teams themselves or trying to handicap a model from this. And, um, you know, sometimes when that's the, the end game here, I, I do think you can get an edge with the way that you build it, but I, I will say, Roberto, like it's the answer I've given a lot of these weeks. Pricing is very stingy would be the word I want to use just across the board at all these mm-hmm. places. And you don't have to look any further than, as you said, Xander and Patrick Cantlay yeah. are three to one to win this event. And then on top of it, you also have sub 10 to one on Hopma and Morikawa we have numbers that are between 12 to 14 to one on Sung Jay and Keith Mitchell. So uh, there's a lot of baked in value that gets lost when prices become that. You mentioned Sung Jay M and Keith Mitchell. 
they're going to be on feature groups on string three on PJ tour live this week, which I'm on. So that's why I'm not giving out any picks this week, but Spencer, that doesn't mean you can't give out your picks this week. You have a full outright card this week and who's on it. Yeah. So I typically like these change of pace events because of the edge that it increases. It's kind of what I was talking about. We can talk about the large hold percentage and all those situations that come into play, but I decided to change my card, so I usually bet to win eight units on a typical tournament. I decided to bet to win five units for these outrights. I don't necessarily want to get caught in this larger exposure of having to go to the top of the board in a reduced field like this. So uh, you might be able to find better than this if you search around, but I took Sungjae Im and Keith Mitchell at 13 to 1. Um, there was only three teams in my model that graded inside the top 15 when combining their totals in all four critical strokes gain metrics. They would be team number one. Team number two would be Cantley and Shoffley. And then team number three would be Kitayama and Montgomery. Uh, for that reason, I decided to bet Kitayama and Montgomery at 25 to one. You know, Roberto, this is a UNLV pairing that hits home for me. Uh, it's not the reason why I'm picking them, obviously, but... I think they possess that intriguing skill set that I was just talking about where one player is going to give you the long iron ability. The other one's going to be able to make the putts. And then when you add this volatile mix that they bring to the table, I think that birdie or better percentage has a chance to play exceptionally well here in four ball action for them. So I'm going to take a chance that they're just a really good pairing together. I think 25 is about like, that's a to me, 23 to one was the proper number I had. So I wouldn't go too much lower than that if you can't find that number in the space, but it kind of goes with what I'm saying that we have a difficult betting board at the end of the day. I grabbed Taylor Moore and Matthew Neesmith at 55 oh, to yeah. one. I think Moore's recent form, if we're talking about recent form here, he's producing as if he's a top 15 golfer in this field for me. I, you know, I think that he's longer off the tee than Neesmith. I think he generates more birdies than Neesmith, but I think when you add these two together, you get a really good format from them in both of these styles that we're looking for here. And then I wrapped my card up with Brendan Todd and Patton Kazire at 90 to one. I think it just keeps going back to what I'm saying. Like Kazire's boomer bust nature works really well in four ball. And then when they match up together for alternate shot, there's probably some volatility. Sure. They have a lot of miscut potential. You don't need to look any further than them being 90 to one at the end of the day, but that's the type of wager that I'm looking for. Like they're, 11th in my model when I ran them from a team perspective. And like, that's one of the big important things to me is I ranked all teams from top to bottom with this. I was trying to figure out where the edges were. And when I see it, when a combination like Todd and Kazire, where my model seems to like Brendan Todd week in and week out, like I've kind of talked about him on this show that I think 2023 has been a really solid year from him from start to finish. When I run only 2023 data, he's been skyrocketing up all these boards, but Patton Kazire is not necessarily a golfer that grades extremely well for me every single week. So when I added the two of them together and I saw the faults on one end were propelled by the others, uh, you know, upside that they had and then vice versa on that equation. It's one of those things where sure they could implode, come in last place, miss the cut. But if I'm shooting for maximum, I guess, upside for an outright wager, I always am willing to take those risks and you're never going to have especially in this sort of a field, like the profile is never going to be clean on a 90 to one shot. And I would rather bet on that upside specifically when we're talking about Xander and Patrick Cantley being in this event. Um, you're going to need your best. Cause that's that team's the favorite for a reason. And um, you know, I talked to Nick a little bit about this off air and 
I don't know how Nick played his card and I don't know how Nick would have played his card if we were on here, but I know from talking to him, he thinks that Shoffley can't lay combination is the team to beat. And uh, I mean, it goes without saying that they definitely are. And you could make the argument that any wager that you put in from an outright perspective kind of does run a risk here. So that's one of the main reasons beyond anything else that I decided to limit this to where, you know, it ends up being essentially 0.6 units to win five. And it's a very little card that I can put together and get some fun action on this where I do think I have an edge in a couple of these spots from a long-term perspective. I'll touch on your picks in a moment, but wanted to add in that Nick texted us. He said that he's betting Burns and Horschel to win this week. He said they were the best pair in alternate shot last year, other than uh, Ryder and Redmond. So alternate shot, the tougher format, You'll see guys in the best ball format on Thursday and Saturday go really low, like 13, 15 under par sometimes. Uh, but alternate shot, sometimes teams will just play even par. And so if you can yes. go low on that round, you get five, six under par. That's a big, uh, big boost to you and an advantage over the field. Burns and Horschel, Burns coming in already with the win a few weeks ago at the Dell match play. Billy Horschel really been struggling lately, not hitting the ball that great. Uh, but we know that this type of match play format, it's not match play this week, so I shouldn't say that, but this type of team golf format brings out the best in him. And we know that he's going to be talking to Burns the whole time. Uh, Sam Burns, fan favorite down there in Louisiana as well, obviously a product of LSU. Also, the last time Nick missed the show, I was also <laughs> doing PGA Tour Live, so I wasn't allowed to give picks. He also texted us that he was betting on Sam Burns. And wouldn't you know, Sam Burns won that tournament at the match play. So can Nick go two for two from off of the podcast? That remains to be seen. Spencer, I'm intrigued by a lot of your picks here. You had some kind of a theme of having one player who is playing great golf right now, like a Taylor Moore, a Sung JM, uh, and then having another player who has some upside, but isn't necessarily playing at their best, like a Keith Mitchell, um, for example. And then also I'm very intrigued by the Kirk Kitayama and Taylor Montgomery pair because Montgomery is the guy who can really bomb it out there. And if he's not in the water this week, the rough's not very penal. The fairways are pretty wide. He can set up a Kiriyama second shot. And then Taylor Moore, one of the better putters, as you alluded to, could roll it in. I think that's a winning strategy. Putting always plays. Uh, and Kiriyama's got everything in his back. So I'm very intrigued by that team. They will also be on feature group three or on stream three in our feature group. So you can catch that. Um, Spence will be tuning in as well on ESPN+. Plus. I'm intrigued by this card this week. If I was betting it, I would obviously not be betting Cantley and Shoffley, but I'd be betting on some of these upside plays. Uh, obviously, Taylor Moore playing incredible golf. We hit on him at uh, the Valspar, and any course where you're going to need to hit long irons is going to be right up his wheelhouse. He's just a really strong player, and he's not necessarily a household name, even though he has one on the PJ Tour right now, but his game speaks louder than he does. Uh, and I'm just a huge fan of his. I think that he continues to have value betting week in and week out. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. And, and like, to me, that's one of the preferred ways to play this is find the golfer that you trust that you think has that upside, like a Taylor Moore for me, as I talked about, he's a top 15 player for me in this field of the entire field of every single player. If it was an individual event, find me a player that I think has upside with him. The same answer I could give with Brendan Todd. Um, mm -hmm. And I do want to say, like, it's interesting with Nick's play of Horschel and Burns. I've done a lot of shows with Nick over, you know, two years now. 
I have not heard Nick give Sam Burns on any show ever other than the ones he doesn't make it on. So there may be something about that. Maybe Vegas has given the call that you can't come on Action Network. You can't give this pick to everybody. So uh, he may know a little inside information there. But um, I, I will say this about the play. Like when I rank this from a team perspective, and and I'll just run through my top five so we don't go through every single one. But number one for me, Cantley and Shoffley. Number two, Keith Mitchell and Sungjae Im. Number three, Max Homa, Colin Morikawa. That number 14 for me would be Billy Horschel and Sam Burns. And then five was would be Siwoo Kim and Tom Kim. So I think that's a very, like, for as weird as I ran a model this week, I think it's a very prototypical expected top five that you would project to have come into play with this. So um, I think Burns and Horschel have proven before at this event that this is a really good fit for them. And if somebody's going to challenge... Shoffley and Cantley, they're certainly one of the duos that can do it. You can find Burns and Horschel in the enhanced win market at Bet365 at 15 to 1. They came in second here last year and they tied what was previously the tournament record for the two man team event. This is only the sixth year that it's been played this year. So, five tournaments that they went back on and they shot 27, which was the best. But unfortunately, Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley shattered the record and got to 29 under par to win the tournament last year. Before we get into any further picks this week, as a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION, that's A-C-T-I-O-N, to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Spencer, we touched on your outright card. Let's get into your bread and butter, the matchup bets, who you got this week, and more importantly, who are you fading this week in your matchup? You know, it, it's funny, Roberto, because I keep talking about this tournament of trying to find two players that are going to provide at least some sort of a combination. And I guess like from an upside perspective, I'm trying to find that boomer bus end with like a Taylor Moore and all those routes that I'm going. And I think from a head to head perspective, you always want the safety route with it over anything else. And it's a weird card because like, there's a lot we can say from a value perspective and these odds not being what I want them to be in the head to head market and all those answers with it. But I decided to take a little bit of a different route here so because there's only 80 teams, top 33 and times ties end up making it into the weekend, I decided to try to find the team that, yes, I was going to fade. That's the number one answer here above anything else. That doesn't change whatsoever. But I did it with a combination of golfers here where I think these are two boomer bus golfers being on the same team here. So it's going to provide one of those, you know, volatile boomer bus natures of a head dead wager. I just think we're getting value here. And so the wager for me is Tom Hoagie and Harris English minus 120 over Hoygaard and Olison. Um, you know, for me, Hoygaard and Olison are just two golfers that have even a broader range of outcomes than we're talking about with Hoagie and English. I, I know that the recent consistency from Hoagie and English will leave a ton to be desired, but it's also generated this value inflated opportunity, at least by my math, to grab a team that does rank inside the top 10 of my model for expected production. There wasn't a category that I ran where the two graded outside of the top 22 of this field as a team. And there's an argument to be made that 
they actually work better together than those individuals right now. I know that's an extremely weird comment to give, but I kept trying to find similarities and unique combinations that would turn any team into a star-studded pairing. And I highly considered betting these two as an outright bet. I ended up not going that route at the end of the day just because I'm only betting to win five units to begin with. I don't want to overexpose the card. I really kind of like this pairing for what it was. Like, it's going to be hard to find value and it's going to be the most volatile tournament that we have talked about in, in any regard. Like, at least when we talked about the match play, it was golfer versus golfer and it was a daily perspective to when I released a head-to-head matchup. I felt confident that this guy's intangibles on that particular golf course would equate to a better chance for a victory according to what the odds were giving us at that time. I can't say this is necessarily the case. Like there's so much that can go wrong in a team format here. And I want to preface it by saying that like, there's only so much of an edge that you can actually have, but like the biggest fade for me would be that Hoygaard and Olison team. And some of that can be said, just, I don't have a ton of European data that's always going to be a reason. I know that about my model and that always worries me. My model does like Hoygaard and I have enough from Olison's past of him playing here. And the problem is these are past results from years ago that I'm running. So it's kind of difficult to find out exactly where you're at, but more so than anything, like this, this Hoagie and English pairing for all those top 22s that they bring to the table inside of my model, it, it's an intriguing price for, I, I think if you had both of these guys and and maybe even if we're just talking about Hoagie here, Roberto, like if we could go back to him two months ago, rather than this like miscut, miscut spree that he's been on, I'd like to think that alone he could have made this a team that probably from an outright perspective would have been more in that like 20 to one range than this like over 30 to one price. So I just think we're getting a really nice reduction or inflation, I should say, uh, in this situation to where like the public has reduced their viewpoint of what kind of upside they actually bring to the table. So uh, it's once again, very volatile pairing. Both of them are going to be volatile, but I just love the approach play that kind of as a team that they bring to the table. And then the, the, the T to green metrics are kind of top notch for me here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Those two definitely have upside. Tom Hoagie and Harris English, guys who've won on the PGA Tour before against guys who haven't won on the PGA Tour before. And also the Hoygaard you're mentioning is Nikolai Hoygaard, who just got special temporary status on the PGA Tour. His brother Rasmus, his twin brother Rasmus, is one of the favorites this week. I believe he's a co-favorite at the ISPS Handa Open over on the DP World Tour. Hoygaard, or excuse me, Olison, player who hasn't played in a professional event since February, but he has had a run of strong play. Unfortunately, there's no data on that. So just a lot of unknowns there, but just looking at it from to pan out and from a wider view, Hoagie and English are better players. They've been better players for a while. Olison and more specifically Hoygaard have upside, but I think the floor is significantly higher for English and Hoagie and 
their form isn't great right now. The other player's form is decent, but you're getting a discount on this and maybe getting guys whom you wouldn't get matched up against Hoagie and English in a matchup very often. So I like the chance of taking a buy low spot and obviously Hoagie and English have a lot more experience in these type of competitions. English was on a Ryder cup team also. So he's got experience in this team competition as well. Hoagie, a player who could potentially be on one of those teams. We know that Will Zalatoris being out for the year means that one of those spots is up for grabs for the Americans as well. Um, in addition to your matchup bet, what other bets do you have uh, outside of your outright, your top 33 bet and this matchup? So that's, that's, that's my card this week. Um, right. you, you know, and I think you said it best there, Roberto. It's like Nikolai Hoygaard is a really, and same with his brother. I mean, I can give the answer about both of them. They're extremely talented golfers mm -hmm. that like, it would not shock me if Nikolai Hoygaard ends up with this temporary membership, really making a name for himself on tour and, and turning that into a permanent stay if he if that's the route he decides he wants to go and he wants to be a primary PGA Tour player versus playing in Europe here. I don't know what the answer is for him. I haven't heard him give that response. And I just think at the end of the day, it comes down to all the unknowns that, I mean, Olison for the past, like, if we backtrack this three years ago, four years ago, Olison was a supremely talented guy in the same exact position. He's had some trouble. He's had some situations that have just not gone right for him in, in different sectors of the world. Like we don't need to talk about some of those situations here. Um, I just think that the unknowns are what makes this such a intriguing head to head wager, because it's not to say that Hoygaard and Olison can't top five this tournament. That is certainly within the range of outcomes that can come into play. But in the same breath of that, if we're talking about a head to head wager, I would rather take more of the known commodities that we have in English and Hoagie. And I would rather try to take on this boomer bust profile to where, yeah, if they come in fourth place, Hoygaard and Olison and they beat me, it's a head-to-head -head wager. I will lose my 1.2 units to win one and I will move forward into the next tournament. But that miscut potential does come into play for me. And while Hoagie and um, his partner have this here, I don't know if it's necessarily like when like English has looked good somewhat recently. Like I know we've talked about him a lot on this show and there's been miscuts that have been thrown into the mix, but I think he's popping here and there. Like it's not the English that we were talking about six months ago where he was just missing every single cut over and over again. And you could make that argument that yeah, Hoagie's gone in the wrong direction here with his game. But from a, from a approach metric standpoint, like, He's the number two player in my model in 2023 for strokes gain approach. That means something to me when I'm running this specifically in a team event where he's going to be able to give his partner better looks. And, you know, maybe that's all he needs. Like if he's not the one putting it in English can just use somebody else's ball when we talk about alternate shot or the pressure is taken away. Now, all of a sudden, when you're talking about this uh, four ball format to where maybe like, you know, the, the boom or bust nature that we're talking about with these players, like if all of a sudden, yeah, English or Hoagie, we can go either one of them is prone to like have a triple bogey. Well, all of a sudden it doesn't matter as much if like his partner can make a birdie here. So uh, there's a lot of ways like, yeah, there's the boom or bust nature that comes more into play an alternate shot, but the same answer can be given. Every single team has that problem. And really the only two that, or maybe I guess the two teams to me that at least are the most similar would be Cantley and Shoffley. 
And I do kind of tend to think that Sungjae and Mitchell are more similar than they're not in some ways. And that just comes down to a ball striking answer. But like, even if you look at Homa and Morikawa, and that could be a good thing to winning this tournament, there are differences from them. Like, you could look at that in a positive sense. Homa's going to be able to putt better than Morikawa. Maybe that it becomes a massive plus. And on the flip side of that, Morikawa is a better par five scorer than Max Homa is. So maybe that combination is what helps propel them up the board. But I, I think there's a lot of different ways to play this, obviously, just by giving that answer. It's like, do you want two guys that are exactly the same? Or do you want two guys that are polar opposites? And I think you can make an argument for either end of that because it does work both ways. It's just what market do you want to make that bet in? What is the matchup that you're looking at? Does it make sense from a value perspective? So uh, those are a lot of the questions that you're going to have to ask yourself out there and figure out what you're comfortable doing. I know you've only got about five minutes left of availability, but I wanted to ask, are there any teams that you're backing that you want to back specifically in the best ball or the alternate shot or to fade them in one or to back them in one? Uh, are there any that grayed out better for you? I know that you combine them into one team. I'm not sure how that played out in your model. I mean, a lot of like the majority of my weight ended up coming from one team. I can tell you the teams though, that would be at least from a combination standpoint. So this would be an alternate shot answer uh, that my model did not like. Um, okay. So I think this is an intriguing one here just because I've seen this from a DFS perspective and I don't know if I trust these numbers and, you know, it's a, it's a weird tournament to try to gauge some of those answers. And we can talk about what that means from a betting perspective here, but uh, your boy, Luke Donald and Eduardo Molinari, I didn't necessarily see the intrigue that some other people in the space seem to be having on them at this point. Like it's a great call on your point with Donald. I think he clearly has turned this around a little bit, but it didn't necessarily like them for the alternate shot format. Um, it, it did have some concerns with Olison and Hoygar. That's one of the reasons why I decided to take them on. I, I think one of the similar pairings that I didn't end up betting them. I couldn't really find an edge, but I think you can see a difference in pricing in some areas. Uh, ben On and SH Kim, they were kind of similar in a lot of ways where I thought they could make a really good um, alternate shot group with them. And I mean, I've seen them as low as 33 to one to win this. I think you can shop around and find a better number. I didn't find a way that I wanted to back them, but that was at least a name that I, I or a group that I found interesting there. But um I mean, I, I I can't at this point anymore with uh, Carl Yuan. So I'm not going <laughs> oh. to go down that direction with it. But him and Tyson Alexander had something that looked fine together. But I'm going to uh, ignore the urge. I'm going to pretend like I don't see him on the list here. And I'm just going to move forward as if he's not part of this tournament because <laughs> it never works, Roberto. Yeah, we that train has left the station. Um, been on. <laughs> interesting player because throughout his career on the PJ tour, he's been consistently one of the worst putters. And right now he's like a little bit above average, which has got to feel like he's the best putter in the world uh, for him. His confidence got to be sky high. I think he's someone to keep an eye on in the next few weeks, uh, as long as that putter stays lukewarm, at least uh, Spencer, I know you've got a role. Where else can the people find you this week? Yes. Yeah, so as always, you can find me on Twitter at T off sports. I will have an article tomorrow over at Action Network where I will cover this from hopefully a round one perspective. Uh, we will we will see what's out there in the space. I haven't seen any matchups yet that have caught my eye. We still have places that are releasing odds uh, in the matchup sector there. So 
Uh, we'll see what ends up coming into play there. Uh, obviously, you can find all my stuff over at Rotoball, or you can find my model over there and find all these numbers that I'm talking about. But uh, once again, Roberto, I appreciate you doing the show with me. Everybody out there that does make us a part of their weekly research process. We can't thank you guys enough without you that we wouldn't have a show here. So I wish everybody out there good luck. Um, probably not the best betting tournament at the end of the day, but Look, I mean, we talked about a lot of wagers here in an event that you wouldn't think you could find too many. So I think that's like the answer when push comes to shove here. Value is value. And if you can price shop and when people, and, and that that goes from either other people in the space or bookmakers, if there's some anything that like a lazy price gets released or, you know, there's just anything that pushes you in a direction where you can get an edge. That's what we're always trying to find here. So uh, once again, we appreciate everyone who tunes into the show. And make sure to check out who Spencer is fading, his big fades of the week. Don't bet on Matt Wallace when he's on Spencer's fade list. I learned that the hard way last week. He basically beat no one last week uh, at Hilton Head. Uh, so that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Links and Locks presented by Bet365. For more great golf content from our Action Network team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week featuring golf bets Jason Sobel. Sobel's hot. He hit on John Rahm at the Masters and the PGA Tour's Ben Everill as they quickly run down their top plays for this week's tournament. You can also catch up, catch the gimme, which Jason Sobel will be on tomorrow. And be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. Spencer's got an article coming out tomorrow. You can find us on Twitter. Spencer's at TF Sports. Nick is at Sticks Picks. And I am at RobertoA213. You can find me on PJ Tour Live Stream 3 feature groups. Where we're going to have, among others, Kurt Kitayama, Taylor Montgomery, Sung J M, as well as Kashmir Keith Mitchell. Thanks for tuning into our show. And thanks to everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers, Noah, Sophia, and Matt. Thanks for tuning in, and here's to hoping you hit the green down in New Orleans this week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.